0: When you look at your life right now, what are the things specifically that you are supporting? Whether it be supporting it in prayer or financially supporting a particular work in your local church or a nonprofit, whatever the case may be, While well, on today's podcast, we're gonna be seeing the extraordinary blessing that comes when we support what God is doing. So turn to first Corinthians chapter nine and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends, welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Heman is with you, as always, blessed to be with you guys as we enter a new year. As I'm recording, this is 2024. It's going to be kind of weird. If you're listening to this podcast years later, you're going to know how old it is. But that's where we find ourselves in a new year. And I just pray that God will bless this ministry that is reaching people around the world with God's word to help Christians just like you stand strong in the word of God, to know it and to obey it and to share it as you, my friends, will go forth and make disciples being part of the great commission. So as we gear up and we enter a new year, I pray that your passion and your desire for God's word will continue to grow. I was just sharing that with a few of my kids the other day saying to them, If you pray in the spirit for God to give you the desire to love his word and to walk steadfastly in it, and again, it's going to require you to make choices. Do you wake up earlier? Do you go to bed earlier to wake up earlier to be in God's word and not feel rushed and I think that's one of the things, my friends, as we pause and we do this podcast together, as we study God's word together, that this is a time, whatever you're doing as you're listening to this, this is a time to meditate on God's word, to go verse by verse through the Bible and to explore the richness and the power, the infallibility that we see within God's word to penetrate our sinful hearts, to sanctify us, that we be sanctified in his word because his word is truth and praying for that intimacy to continue to grow and that desire to know his word. And so when we're looking at 1 Corinthians 9, and last time where we left things off in podcast 240, we talked about the need to support ministries. Now today is kind of a part two, and we're gonna be pursuing verses seven through 14, where the blessing of giving towards God's work comes. So we know we need to support ministry, and Paul lays out that case in verses one through six, where he says, "I am I not free? am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others, if I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Let me just say this before I read verse three and following. I love when people who are in ministry feel so connected to the people that God has called them to minister to. I mean, let's be honest, my friends you're called to minister, you are called in the love you have for the Lord because he first loved you is to love people. That even means loving, doesn't mean you're best friends with everybody, but that means being loving and being patient to even those people who are a thorn in your flesh. And Paul says, you know, even if people reject me, I am, I am the seal, you are the seal of my apostleship. Then he says in verse three, this is my defense to those who would examine me. And I love this too, because obviously with social media, there's so much, and I've seen this in the span of 25 years of ministry. I mean, looking at the access of information we have now, not just in terms of getting data or learning a bit about something or diving in, dissecting more theology. Yes, that's true with all the technology we have today and the accessibility that we have beyond just books and going to the library. But with that comes the storyline that comes out from every angle from all over the world at once. And so with that, there's just so much more scandal. We know that gets clicks. We know people want to always go viral. And so scandal has always sold. So whether it's on Twitter or X or Instagram, whatever the case may be, YouTube, on the news, we are seeing scandals. And there are so many people when they're confronted, they don't want to be examined. But Paul says, this is my defense that you would examine me saying, I welcome it. Not refreshing. And so I I encourage you, if you are a pastor, if you're a leader, go back to the podcast in 240, when we're looking at this verse, you should be open for examination. None of us are above the law. We are all accountable. And then he says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, which is Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So when you and I look back at looking at the significance of the apostles. And in this case, Paul himself and his ministry with Barnabas, they had rights, but they weren't abusing those rights. Go back to 1 Corinthians 8. You don't want to let your wisdom or your status override humility. So let's say, for example, right now as we're getting into this new passage about supporting God's work, one of the things I was praying even this morning before I came in studio to record this was, Lord, I don't want to go ahead of you. I don't want to say because you've called me to ministry pastorally and to be a defender of the faith, and I run a a nonprofit ministry, as you guys know, Stand Strong Ministries. You could check things out there, standstrongministries.org, that I'm not to rely on my own experience, my own strength, that I'm not to get comfortable or cocky. I mean, God forbid that when you and I gain experience by the grace of God, that we don't turn around and abuse it and think, I've achieved this. I know better. My name's out there. I got name recognition. No, we are to preach the gospel in Christ Jesus who gave up his life for us, who's the head of the church. I mean, that's a simple but very profound and fundamental truth that we cannot neglect. So Paul has rights, but he's not to abuse those rights. And so when you look at people who, serve as a soldier or we're going to see this in a minute or are a farmer and they plant in the vineyard are they not to partake of the harvest a soldier doesn't protect people and risk his life for nothing yes they want to protect people but they have to make a living to provide for themselves and their families I mean, so we know this stuff. This is common sense. The question now, though, is is we know from the previous passage, what I just read in this verses 1 through 7, that we are called to support the work of the Lord. That we need to do this. We need to prioritize this. This isn't an option. It's a command. Now, as we center what Paul progresses to say from using a soldier as an example and a farmer, he says this in verse 8, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads, treads out the grain. It is, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plough and hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In verse 14, he says, in the same way the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel that they should live by the gospel. All right, so there we have the text for today's podcast. Now, what I want to do is I want to highlight a few things. And this is based on what Paul lays out here. So again, there is the need to support, and now the blessing that comes, you know, towards supporting or giving to what God is doing now, in order to, to give to what God is doing, you have to know what God is doing and then care about that work. So I said in the opening is what are the things that you're supporting right now? Whatever your role is in life. You can say, well, I support my husband. I support my wife. I'm supporting my children in college. My wife and I just had some friends over and, you know, they're always looking at the expenses like any family should, right? When you have multiple people and there's a lot of comings and goings and you have a certain budget. And when you're taking care of, as we are with two of our four children in college and the expenses that come with schooling and this and that, I mean, sometimes you, you don't see uh, how much that's going to be. And there are times you have to have conversations with them saying, hey, you know, be careful, watch your spending. And you have to also look at the savings and 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 how much hours you're getting in each week and offsetting the cost, all that, that sort of thing. And you guys, when it comes to the faith, it's no different in terms of that type of common sense of looking at what we're investing in and seeing the returns. So Paul here, what he does is he, he defends his rights as an apostle. Remember when he said earlier in verse three, examine me. This is important, by the way, as we're leading in chapter nine, in the, in the middle portion of that chapter of this chapter is that if you go back to verse, excuse me ver, uh, chapter three, I believe it is. I don't have my notes in front of me regarding that particular uh, podcast that I did. But if I recall, when you look at First Corinthians three, one of the things that he was asking the question is is not letting your wisdom, the people who are wise, not just intellectually, but people who were living not just common sense lives, but the practicality, but moralistically, right? Meaning, this is these are fundamentals. These are truths that that transcend us, and there are consequences. Again, you you reap what you sow, as Paul talks about in Galatians six verse eight. So this application is applying definitely here. But Paul's been making this case leading up to this chapter nine because in First Corinthians three, you're you're not to then say, as I was saying earlier, oh, I am so wise, and now you've allowed the wisdom that God has given you in His Spirit to then become prideful. So you've got to be careful. Well, then you look in other passages that where Paul continues this on into 1 Corinthians 8 to not let your knowledge, not to be boastful in your knowledge, not to be arrogant because you're smart, if you will. And then we're going to see in the next chapter, in chapter 10, that you're not to take for granted God's grace because of his provisions and think they're always just going to be there and you could take it for granted. Christ for granted, even to the point where Paul says that you've even tempted Christ. Meaning, how much, and we know God is long suffering, He's perfect in His love, but God is also a judge. And He will not tolerate people who undermine His authority. And so, when you look at now what Paul and that, and that this is important, my friends, because in the context of the blessing that gets given towards God's work, it's about Him. It's about what he's doing through his people, through his creation. And we get to be a part of that. So what he does here when he's defending his rights as an apostle, he's not abusing those rights. Remember, we just covered that in 1 Corinthians 8. And we had to be cautious and sensitive to that, that we ourselves don't do the same. So whatever your position is, whatever you're supporting right now, a deeper question is, how are you supporting God's work in your life? Now, this is a question that we all need to answer regularly and examine, as he says in Second Corinthians 13, 5, examine ourselves whether we're in the faith. So we clearly know, Paul gives an example like, like this. Okay, soldier, a farmer, and a shepherd. So he uses everyday workers who work hard to earn a living, and it's no different to what he and his companions were doing for the Lord. So he's saying, yeah, we're different occupations, and this is the argument sometimes that people make as well, is this bivocational ministry, vocational ministry? Are you full-time ministry, part-time ministry? And I get it. Listen, I run a full-time ministry, and I've been a pastor. Uh, that's what God has called me to do and was ordained in the late 90s, okay? And that's been my entire life, is devoting myself to teaching God's Word. Um, and I love it. I love it. I mean, it, it is to say that... I'm passionate about it is an understatement this is my calling my entire being and when I wake up in the morning my thought process my spiritual gifts my focus vision casting talking with people all of it centers on serving God and I wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for men and women even several of you guys many of you who listen to this podcast who give and support the ministry And that's a blessing. It's a tremendous blessing of people knowing that they support the ministry, they support the work that you're doing. So just like we look at people in the marketplace who are Christian, let's say they're in the military, they're in law enforcement, they're in production, um, they're in harvesting, or they're working with cattle, whatever the case may be, and they're a Christian, they're serving God. They're serving God where they're called to be. Like Paul, they were... He was a tent maker, but he was preaching the gospel. Soldiers were employed by Rome and they made made on average three drachmas a day. Farmers who worked the land, most of the farmers, the vast majority of them didn't own the land. Their masters did. And they would be given a handsome portion of the crop as well. So they'd they'd get a little money, but they'd also get supplies from the land. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2 verse 6, he says, It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So now when you're putting this in context about people who are called to do the work of God in a full-time role, so again, now I want you to apply your local church. My wife and I are members of our local church. We pray for our local church. We give to our local church. Of course, we give to other organizations as well. So not our full tithe, and that varies. Uh, each year, but we are to, to always look to give more every year rather than give less. There's, there, there's no doubt there are times, I'm sure you feel the same, many of you listening, when you want to give more and you're not able to, but there's other ways than just giving financially, okay? Matter of fact, right now as I'm recording this, we just, I just wrote an article for Higher Ground for the Washington Times and the focus is on being more disciplined in your generosity, so you can go to Higher Ground, search for Jason Jimenez, and you'll find many articles that I've written for the Higher Ground. But the reality is when, when you and I are working hard for the Lord and you are, let's say, a local pastor or you're a full-time missionary, you're not doing that without the support of people who are in the marketplace that God has called to give financially, prayerfully, and to be good stewards, to volunteer. So it's not just financially supporting the work of god it's using your spiritual gifts to advance and give towards the cause of what god is doing whether it be in your local church in your family life in your sphere of influence so what Paul's saying here and this is important by using a soldier farmer shepherd as an example he's applying it also to ministry so just just as we know that people are are it you know are guaranteed something by working and there's there's They obviously clearly have responsibility and obligation, but contractually their employer is to give them what their job and and through that performance provides, they're being provided in return. And when you are giving towards God's work, you will be blessed. You will be rewarded. And that's what we have to be focusing on, my friends, because Paul says in verse eight, he's not saying this through human authority. This is God's standard in life that you are to give towards his work. And that means in many cases, giving specifically to the local church where God has representatives. He has, we're all ambassadors of Christ. We're all called as ministers of the gospel, but you're giving towards the work that God is doing. And let's pray because I know I get emails from people. I just got one recently about a situation in a local church that's teaching false doctrine and they're raising up people that should not be in leadership. So I'm not saying every church out there with a logo and a name is representing Christ and teaching the infallible Word of God. I just wrote Hijacking Jesus not long ago, exposing a lot of the progressive Christians who are trying to take over biblical-based churches that are conservative in their understanding of, of pure orthodoxy. But, the, but but what we're saying here, though, is when he says you shall not muzzle an ox when it, tre- it treads out the grain... This is important. This is what Paul's quoting from in Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. He's confirming his right as an apostle, as we in the ministry are holding fast to God's word. If God is concerned about the well-being of an ox, and this is what I want to share with people out there, when you are trying to do the work of God and you don't feel supported. If God cares about the well-being of an ox, and this is very true to what we see in the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, not worrying about tomorrow. See the grass is fed, if you will. You see that the birds have a place to rest. If God provides that way, how much more will he provide for you? So if God is concerned about the well-being of an ox, surely he is more concerned to take care of you, just as he took care of Paul, who is faithfully preaching the gospel. So we need to support people that are called into full-time ministry We need to be supportive of our local church in using your spiritual goods and stewarding it wisely and investing it. I mean, even for me, you could just say, well, you know, my plate's full. I'm doing a lot of different things. No, there's things you have to look at and saying, how can I touch a personal life? How can I touch somebody one-on-one? I may not be able to do it as much as I'd like to do it because of my schedule, but how can I make sure that people around me and my family and our dear friends How can they know that I'm loving them and caring for them the way they need to be loved and cared for? My friends, that is supporting God's work in that area. But what we have to understand, because a lot of times there's an argument against the ministry, and we have to see that this is what God has placed in context. When Paul uses agriculture as a metaphor to make his point that missionaries are no different, that's an important, not a distinction, but application. Meaning people that are in ministry, they're worthy to earn a living from their labor. And I stress this because when you look at the data today, there are a lot of Christians who attend a church and they they give very little or they don't give anything at all. And a lot of those same people, they don't even serve. I, I will tell you in all the years, even today being in ministry and traveling on the road, when I see people come together representing the body of Christ and volunteers. Like when I go into conferences and you're seeing just an array of people out there with shirts and they're serving and they're hospitable and they're giving direction and they're praying with people and they're taking out trash. It's amazing. And then you talk to the, the pastors of the full-time people there on staff and they're like, there's no way we can do what, what God has called us to do without the support of the people in our community. And I love it. That's just absolutely Amazing. The Believers Bible Commentary says this, Christian service resembles plowing and threshing and God has decreed that those who engage in these aspects of his service should not do so at their own expense. I'm able to do this full time because men and women just like you support, pray, and give. I can't tell you what it has meant even to my team, to my wife, to my family, to me personally coming into a new year and seeing how generous people around the world have been. Starting from my own community where I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. It, it emboldens me. It, it gives me this, this, this passion and this, uh, this strength to continue on because I'm being supported by precious men and women. Brothers and sisters armed together, co-laborers in Christ And so although Paul had a right to receive compensation for his work among the churches, remember he often resorted to tent making to cover his own expenses. And that's what I've had to do from time to time in ministries, take on other jobs to make ends meet because the ministry, that entity, whether local church or even my wife and I, when we started Stand Strong Ministries back in 2012, we cashed in our basically kind of retirement and used that money to live off of as we were raising support and building a brand new ministry from scratch. And so there are times or even using your skill set to do remodels and to work with your hands. Um, that's important to do at times, you know, and, I, and I, I get to travel and I get to meet a lot of people that are in ministry and they're doing a lot. Now, again, not to draw attention to themselves, but they also have to pick up another job. And sometimes it can be difficult. I mean, matter of fact, look at Paul when he avoided uh, people accusing him when he when he was being um, attacked and thinking that he was taking advantage of people in Acts chapter 18, verses two through three. And it says, it says here, this is Luke's, Luke's account. He found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. So notice Paul finds a community of believers who also had the same trait as he did and it was beneficial, it was helpful. And he used that as an example of saying, look, because of the the situation he found himself in, it was actually better for him as he was preaching the gospel at times to work as a tent maker so that he could be not seen as someone who's taking advantage of others. Now in 1 Corinthians 2:17, again here we see Paul defends his conduct among the churches by saying, "For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ." So this is important because in certain cases Paul, you know, was working and in other cases he was accepting local assistance. Look at Philippians chapter four, 15 through 16. He says, and you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. So this is important, my friends, as we're looking around to seeing the things that we're supporting, how are we supporting specific people that God has called into ministry full-time that need your support? are doing God's work. And here's what's amazing. Together, you're doing God's work too. And I love that. I, I absolutely, and I've told my, my children this for years now. I absolutely am humbled by the fact that so many people have come into our lives who do the ministry with us. And we all play a role in this. So in 12, when he says in verse 12, if others share this rightful claim on you, do we even more? You see, it wasn't easy caring about all the stuff that Paul had to deal with, right? The load, the hardships, uh, all the ministerial travels, and all the logistics and the infirmities that he faced and the persecution and the attacks. And so in Philippians 4.11, when he wrote about his conduct, in his content, in the, in, the, in the contentment that he had, he says, in whatever situation I may face. And I go back to what I said earlier, when I am facing challenges, defending the faith and being attacked and we're looking at a situation and coming in and a church reaches out and says, "You know, will you come support us in how we're trying to raise up parents to be more effective as modeling the faith and raising up the next generation and whatever the case may be, we take on this burden together. We're praying in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it together. But there's times when it's difficult. And in this case with Paul, there are times where he didn't know where his next meal was going to come from. But then he'd write to the churches in Thessalonica when you see what he says so beautifully, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day, that we might not not be a burden to any of you. And so I say this too, if you are receiving support from people, don't be a burden, be a blessing. They're being a blessing to you. Paul uses the example of holy, righteous living, being blameless in their conduct towards people around them, even to the the point of referring to himself and comparing himself to a father exhorting and encouraging his children. And that's what we need to be, my friends. When people support the work that we're doing, that we need to know that we need to be supporting them in return. That's God's work. And we oftentimes overlook that. So when he says, do you not even know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? So he's used cattle in verse 89. He's used a plowman. He's used a thresher in verse 10. And now he points to temple workers who made a living for their services, which we do see that in our common modern day today in the churches that comes from the priesthood in Leviticus in the book of Numbers chapter 18 and Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses one through five. But then what Paul does here is he says, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So he uses the law. He uses the cattle, the farmer, the, 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 the soldier, then the temple workers. But then in the end, he closes it out by saying, this is what the Lord has commanded. So you and I are to support by giving towards people who are in full-time ministry even though I'm in full-time ministry, as I said earlier, my wife and I, because of what the word of God says, we have missionaries. We just send off one of them that we, that we gave towards. We want to be a part of what God is doing, where this missionary is going. In a, in a part of the world, I will probably never go and never be able to speak the language. But together, as we are giving and supporting the work of God, we are expanding his kingdom by being generous, by being obedient. And we're seeing the fruit of that and saying, yes, we want to see more people who can focus in on spreading the gospel and not have any other distractions. So if we need to be more generous, if we need to be more intentional, looking around saying, Lord, how can we do that? Lord, if you've commanded us to give because those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, Lord, may we be doing that. You can see this in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew gives that account when he instructed the 12 to go. And you see how, don't worry about how you're going to be provided for. I will take care of you. And that is a powerful truth, my friends. He says, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts in Matthew 10. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. He says, whatever town or village you enter, find out, who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it and the house is worthy. Let your peace be upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. When you leave that house or town, truly I say to you, it'll be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So could you imagine having the opportunity to give towards people who are being sent by the Holy Spirit, gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit to distribute those gifts, to honor Jesus Christ, to proclaim his truth and not want to be a part of it. We have to look around and say, what am I truly supporting that is advancing God's work? And when we do that, we're being a part of God's work. As I said before, there are a lot of ministries that we support that financially and prayerfully and even consulting with and giving them my time and, 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 and some, some advice and so grateful because they're reaching Russia. They're reaching China. They're, they're reaching the Middle East. They're reaching Muslims. And, and you look at that and you're thinking, okay, Lord, how can we be more supportive? Essentially, it's asking the question, how can we be more giving how can we give to what you are doing, God? Help us to be sensitive to that. I don't want to be stingy. What you've given me is on loan, and I give it right back to you. So my friends, as you go into a new year, I just pray that as you look at this context, yes, we need to be supporting people in ministry, and people need to be supporting what you are called to do in ministry as well. Let us not be stingy. Let us, with hands wide open, with hearts open to receive what God is doing, give more. Pray about it, but give more. Look around in your life. What are things that God is doing in your community? What are things that God is doing that you've learned about and it's touched your heart and you want to be a part of it? Maybe in a simple way, do it instead of just thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe later or yeah, I really can't do it because, you know, things are tight right now. Trust God. Because when you and I give towards what God is doing, it will bless you. And it will will prompt you to be more about what he is doing and looking at the heavenly perspective, looking at things above, inwardly and upwardly, rather than just outwardly being fixated on all the worries and becoming self-centered and having a heart that is ungrateful. When we give, it's a powerful tool to open our hearts and to receive the blessings around us. So my friends, give tangibly, give spiritually, but give consistently and watch and see how God will bless you. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions or prayer requests, you can contact us at standstrawministries.org. Go to their website there and there's a bunch of articles, books, Videos. Uh, there's contact ways that you guys through info at Stanstraw Ministries.org, you can email directly to us with your prayer requests and your questions that you may have. But also, I want you guys to know as we're going to a new year, too. let people know about this podcast. If you've never left a review, I encourage you guys to leave us a review, tell people about how this has impacted your life and your faith. And with that, Lord, you could be, again, you could be a part of what God is doing through this ministry to let other people know about how they can stand strong in God's word. Love you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong in the word of God.